Well, it's good to see so many of you, even if it's uh, on a screen. It's really great to be able to continue to teach the Word of God and to hear the Word of God. So why don't you grab your Bibles, if you've got them, and kids and young people, if you happen to have Bibles as well, why don't you open up in Luke 22, and we are going to read uh, from Luke 22, verse 63, all the way through to Luke 23, verse 25. And we're continuing our series on Luke at the moment, and we are approaching now the moment where Jesus is going to die and rise from the dead. That's very, very soon. This is very soon in the story, and we're approaching that moment. And Jesus has had a final meal with his followers that Bauta looked at last week, and he's prayed, and now he's been arrested by the Jewish leaders, and he's about to face the leaders both the Jewish leaders and the Roman leaders in a trial, and that's where we're going to join the story. So if you want to grab your Bibles, Luke 22, 63, all the way to 23, verse 25. And today's title is The Greatest Injustice in History. I wonder if I were to ask you what the biggest injustice that has ever happened in history, the moment where someone who is, who is innocent ends up being mistreated by someone who's guilty, I wonder what you'd say that would be. You might think of the Holocaust or the Rwandan genocide. Um, but actually, the story we're going to look at today is the greatest injustice in history. It's the moment where the only truly innocent person actually ends up being condemned. And we're going to see that that is really important for, for us on multiple levels. We're going to see the most important reason why that is at the end. But we're going to see also that it helps us when we experience injustice. Okay, so I'm sure that many of us here have experienced various kinds of injustice where we've been on the receiving end of being punished for something that we didn't do. It may be that you have been the victim of an unjust divorce, for example. You think, I didn't do anything to deserve this, and now I'm finding myself in a divorce case that I didn't initiate and I didn't do anything to deserve that. You might have a business partner who's dragged your business through the dirt, and you think, I've, my business has gone under through no fault of my own. Kids or young people, you, you may have experienced this at school where you've been punished by a teacher for something that you didn't do because someone else lied for you. And so we can probably all relate to examples of injustice. And it's so important in those moments to remember Jesus knows what that's like. He's experienced it himself. In fact, he has experienced the worst ever injustice. So let's read Luke 23, 63, all the way up to 25. And let's look out for how Jesus experiences injustice in this passage. So Luke 22:63. Now the men who were holding Jesus in custody were mocking him as they beat him. They also blindfolded him and kept asking him, prophesy, who is it that struck you? And they said many other things against him, blaspheming him. When day came, the assembly of the elders of the people gathered together, both chief priests and scribes, and they led him away to their council. And they said, if you are the Christ, tell us. But he said to them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I ask you, you will not answer. But from now on, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power of God. So they all said, are you the Son of God then? And he said to them, you say that I am. Then they said, what further testimony do we need? We have heard it ourselves from his own lips. Then the whole company of them arose and brought him before Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is a Christ, a king. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and the crowns, I find no guilt in this man. But they were urgent, saying he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee, even to this place. When Pilate heard this, he asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. 
When Herod saw Jesus, he was very glad, for he had long desired to see him. And he, because he had heard about him and was hoping to see some sign done by him. So he questioned him at some length, but he made no answer. The chief priests and the scribes stood by vehemently accusing him. And Herod, with his soldiers, treated him with contempt and mocked him. Then arraying him in splendid clothing, he sent him back to Pilate. And Herod and Pilate became friends with each other that very day. For before this, they had been at enmity with each other. Pilate then called together together the chief priests and the rulers and the people and said to them, you bought me this man as one who is misleading the people. And after examining before you, behold, I did not find this man guilty of any of your charges against him. Neither did Herod, for he sent him back to us. Look, nothing deserving death has been done by him. I will therefore punish and release him. But they all cried out together, away with this man and release to us Barabbas, a man who had been thrown into prison for an insurrection and from in the city and for murder. Pilate addressed them once more, desiring to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. A third time he said to them, why? What evil has he done? I have found in him no guilt deserving death. I will therefore punish and release him. But they were urgent, demanding with loud cries that he should be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate decided that their demands should be granted. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder for whom they asked. But he delivered Jesus over to their will. What a passage. What a passage where we see many, many instances of Jesus experiencing different kinds of injustice. And we're going to whiz through a number of those. And my hunch is that a lot of us will be able to relate to a whole number of these different kinds of injustices, these different moments where an innocent person ends up experiencing something that they do not deserve. But we also need to make sure that we hear the challenge on the other side. So we can experience injustice ourselves, but it's very often possible for us to actually perpetrate injustice or to punish others when they're actually innocent or to mock others when they don't deserve it and so we need to hear the double the encouragement for us that jesus knows what it's like but also the challenge for us let's not be people who actually ourselves perpetrate injustice let's just think of a a few other quick ways in which jesus experiences injustice and then we're going to talk about why is it that jesus needed to experience that and that's thing that we we need to be aware of um, we see jesus is accused or people are trying to find an excuse to accuse him so the chief priests are desperate to try and accuse him so they ask him are you the messiah are you the chosen king who is meant to come and liberate us from our enemies and jesus's response is yes i am in a roundabout way he quotes different scriptures from the old testament but he basically acknowledges that he is the messiah he's the the king of his people and at this point the chief priests think brilliant we've got a confession that he is the Messiah, that he is the King of Israel. Therefore, we can take him to the Romans and they will think that he's a rebellious leader and they'll end up crucifying him. So they find an excuse to accuse him and then they take him to the Romans. And in verses one to five of chapter 23, we see that they bring him to the Romans and they falsely accuse him. They say in in chapter 23, verse two, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding us to give tribute to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ, a king. That's completely untrue. Jesus did not say that you shouldn't pay taxes to Caesar. He never said anything of the sort. In fact, you can listen to the sermon a few weeks ago, but they falsely accuse him because they want him to be condemned. And so they make up a lie so that Pilate thinks that he should be condemned. And some of you may be able to relate to that. You have had lies made up about yourself and you've paid the consequences, even though you did nothing true, nothing of that. 
Jesus knows what that's like. He knows what it is to be falsely accused. So yes, he is the Messiah, but he didn't, he didn't mislead the nation and he didn't tell people not to pay taxes to Caesar. So they're falsely accusing him. It's another way that Jesus experiences injustice. And then another way that Jesus experiences injustice in this passage, another way which many of us may be able to relate to as well, is cowardly leaders not protecting the innocent. So the chief priests bring him to Pilate. They falsely accused him. And Pilate says, I don't think he's guilty. I don't think there's any reason to condemn him. But what he does is he does two instances of being completely cowardly as a leader. He should say he's innocent. Let him go. End of the end of the deal. But instead, what he does is he passes the buck to Herod. He says, oh, great. Herod's the guy who's in charge of the area that he lives in. Let's send him over to Herod. I don't have to deal with it that way. So the first thing he does, he just passes the buck. It's a little bit like when you phone up a complaint line to try and complain about a product that you've bought and you just get passed from one department to another and no one wants to, wants to take responsibility. Pilate says, I don't want to take responsibility for this man. I'm going to be a coward. But Herod just sends him back himself. And so then we see Pilate doing a second instance of being cowardly, whereas he should say he's innocent, let him go and don't touch him. He actually caves into the pressure of the crowd. And some of you may have experienced that yourselves, where your boss or even your teacher, perhaps at school, has caved in to pressure from other people and has therefore punished you as a result. Where other people have been accusing you and they thought, I know that this person's innocent, but I, uh, because I'm too scared of these people, I'm going to make the decision to punish this person, even though they're innocent. And that's exactly what Jesus, happens to Jesus here. Pilate knows he's innocent, but because he's cowardly and fears the crowd, he hands him over to be crucified. Jesus knows what it's like. He really does. He knows what it's like to experience injustice. And so anytime that we ourselves experience moments where we're, we're innocent, but yet we are convicted and accused of being guilty, we can remember and have Jesus take us by the hand and say, I know what it's like. I know what it feels like to be mocked. I know what it feels like to be accused or for someone to try and find an excuse to accuse you. I know what it's like to be falsely accused. I know what it's like to have a leader who should protect you being cowardly and failing to protect you. Jesus knows what it's like. And that's a huge encouragement for us in moments where we go through difficulties. Some of you may have faced injustices even in the last few days where your workers had to make difficult decisions in terms of employment and redundancies and so on. And you feel like you've been on the receiving end, not of a, not of a right redundancy, but of an injustice where you've been struck off, even though you didn't deserve it. Jesus knows what that's like. But we need to remind ourselves, and here's where we're going to end. We need to remind ourselves, why is it that Jesus had to go through this injustice? And this is where the final injustice that we see in this passage helps us to understand, and it's glorious. And kids, if you're still there, young people, if you're still there, if there's one moment you want to listen to, this is the one, because this is the most important message you will ever hear. Because at the end of this story, we meet a man called Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was an incredibly nasty person. He was a murderer. He'd actually killed people. He'd led a rebellion against Rome. This was a man who was in prison waiting to be executed, waiting to be punished, and he deserved to be punished. He really did. He deserved it. You, you could have said that guy deserved to be punished. But in this story, we find out that Barabbas ends up being released and Jesus ends up being punished. Barabbas was completely guilty and did not deserve to be punished uh, and did deserve to be punished. He was completely guilty but yet he got set free and Jesus, who was completely innocent, got punished. And the reality is this is a picture of what we are like. 
We are all like Barabbas. We were all like Barabbas, stuck in our prison cells, chained to the wall, waiting for the moment where the prison guard comes in and says, it's your day to be executed. It's your day to be punished. And it's like we're Barabbas in our cell, waiting for that day, and the prison cell opens, and the guard comes in, and we think, it's my day. I'm about to be crucified. I'm about to be punished. And the guard says, you're free. You can go. You say, why? And he points, he says, because that man over there has taken your place. And we are all like Barabbas. We deserve to be punished. We deserve to be condemned because of our rebellion against God. But God opens our prison door and says, you're free to go because that man over there, Jesus, that man has taken your punishment. The greatest injustice that ever happened actually becomes the greatest moment of liberation. It was unjust. Barabbas should have been punished. Jesus shouldn't have been. But Jesus took the punishment so that we, just like Barabbas, never need to be. And it's a picture of what happens to us in the gospel. And it's glorious. So, yes, we can take comfort from this story that Jesus knows what it's like to face injustice. But ultimately, let's remember, he faced this injustice so that we could experience being set free from the punishment that we truly deserved. And that is worth shouting about, that's worth singing about, that is worth living our lives praising God for. So let's respond by singing a song together now. And let's remember, we have been liberated from our prisons where we deserve punishment because Jesus took our place. So I'm going to hand over now and we're going to sing another song to respond in worship to God together.